Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by my friend. We are the editors at ReviewingBrew.com, and we are sad. Last week, we, we tried to leave it on an optimistic note. Hey, maybe they could sneak in if they you know did a couple of things right here in the Marlins series and you know take care of business against the lowly Miami Marlins who were firing their manager and then against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But, you know, and then, you know, hey, you get into the postseason, maybe something could happen and, you know, this could all be great. But no, no, that uh, that ended up not not happening uh, at, at all. The Brewers lost three of four to the Marlins, putting themselves in a very precarious situation where they needed to sweep Arizona and then they needed to have the Phillies get swept by the Astros. And needless to say, it did not work out uh, as the Brewers needed it to there because they put themselves in that position. So now, Matt, the offseason begins. There are no more Brewers games for 2022. And I am sad. I am also sad, but I am also in a way relieved that the Brewers can no longer hurt us. They can no longer break our hearts because they are no longer playing games. So at the very least, feel like that heightened stress level we've all been at since about, I don't know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) mid-July. Especially since the beginning of August. Exactly. Yep. Uh, it it, It just ramped up at that point. That's all gone. We can move on to watching football or the Bucks or the Badgers. The Bucks. Um, yeah, anything that's not the Brewers, or maybe you'll watch the playoff, playoff baseball. I, I'll like dabble in it a little bit, but normally I kind of uh, turn my focus to the Bucks because Brewer season is done, and yeah, it really all it came down to in that Marlins series was they took two of those wins, two wins, and they because they finished one game behind the Phillies for that final wild card spot. As we know, they needed to finish one game ahead of them. So two more wins was all they needed. And actually, um, if any of uh, you all saw it, they could have done it with one more win. A specific win against the Phillies mm-hmm. uh, would have actually gotten them in. It was the one that Josh Hader blew. If oh. I read that correctly, if the Brewers would have won that game, they would have tied the season series and the secondary tiebreaker would have put the Brewers in. Oh, man, that Josh Hader is so terrible. They should have traded that guy when they had the chance. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Uh, Yeah. And it's for reasons like that, Matt, that we have wine and alcohol. (laughs) What what do you got over there? I've got the Broken Bat Brewing Ugly Finder IPA. Solid. That sounds sounds perfect for the brewery season. I have a (laughs) very full glass of... Cabernet because I am here to whine and complain um, and I would like cheese with this wine uh, about the Brewers season because that's what we're going to be doing here because the Brewers had pretty much everything going into this Mm -hmm. season you know you're coming off four straight postseason appearances you got Andrew McCutcheon you brought in you know Pedro Severino to kind of help out the catching situation you know you got you're returning the Cy Young winner you got a ri- ridiculously good rotation, a ridiculously good back end of the bullpen. 
and so much hope, so much promise. And, you know, they get off to such a hot start. Best start in franchise history through 50 games. Best start since 2014 of all seasons. And, you know, then they just kind of, you know, they start dealing with some injuries to the rotation. Um, And then, you know, you get to July, you know, after the All-Star break, they're playing really well out of the All-Star break. And then you hit the trade deadline, and then everything went downhill after that. But really, I think when when you look at the season, I I think what you can really trace some of the struggles back to is the injuries to the starting Mm -hmm. rotation. I mean, that's really where everything started to go haywire from this hot start uh, that that they had. I mean, through through April, where, where were they? At? I mean, they they were like they only lost like what seven games uh, in April or something like that. I mean, it it was ridiculous, and, and they were off to even even still good numbers uh, in May. I'm trying to pull them up here. Um, kind of, you know, month by month uh, yeah. for this team. And it started off one and three, you know, then they really kind of, you know, kicked into high gear, a couple of winning streaks there. They went 15 and seven in April, 17 and 12 in May. Right. So, so mm-hmm. they're off to a good start there. Freddie Peralta gets hurt there at the end of May. And the next thing you know, they're 12 and 15 in the month of June. Then they're 13 and 11 in July. And then they go 12 and 15 again in August af- after the hater trade and 15 and 13 in September. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they had those couple stretches there where they're essentially just 500. They went 500 through or what, two games, no, two games under 500 through from, from June through September. Those final four months, there were two games under 500. Yeah, the injuries, like you said, certainly didn't help. Uh, when all was said and done, Corbin Burns was the only starter that didn't end up losing time due to injury. He ended up praise to Jesus. Yeah, exactly. That Corbin Burns starter, stayed healthy. Yeah, if there's any starter you want to make sure they start all their games, it's going to be your reigning uh, NL Cy Young winner. Damn right. Woodruff spent that little bit of time. Peralta obviously was uh, an extended chunk. Um, Ashby, yeah, and even like your sixth starter, Ashby ends up spending some time. Lauer spends a little bit of time. Hauser spends some time. Um, that's hard to patch work because now you're throwing guys like Jason Alexander. He had 71 innings. Yeah. Jason Alexander, 71 innings. Mm-hmm. They signed this dude as a minor league free agent with the intention of never having him pitch in the big leagues this year. Yeah. And he threw 71 innings. Yep, he sure did, because they needed it. And it, he that's not where the injuries ended by any means. I mean, you had Renfro out a couple of times. You had all of the catchers um, out at different times. Um, <clears throat> uh, McCutcheon went out. Um, Urias started the season hurt. Adamas, I believe, was on the IL. Like, it's, yep, he had an ankle are, injury. These are key guys outside of... Christian Yelich, I don't believe, unless he had a small stint, I'm not remembering. But I don't believe Yelich spent any time this season, finally. Um, Telez, I don't think. 
I think he stayed healthy. Yep. Um, and then your center fielders, essentially, um, the mix of people that you had there were all good. Um, no, Tyrone Taylor is out with a concussion for that little bit. And then I guess uh, Davis actually was, too, come to think yeah. of it. And uh, Lorenzo Cain was, was out because he stunk. Exactly. He, that was around the time that they were, you know, starting to make moves anyway. Uh, September call-ups were coming up like it was the writing was on the wall with him. But I mean, again, like top to bottom. And then so many relievers that got hurt over the course of the year, too. I think that really I'm curious how the trade deadline would have gone if Cousins doesn't get hurt. If Gott isn't on the IL at that point, if Topa comes back earlier, Perdomo doesn't go on the uh, on IL, would they have gone and got that many relievers? Would they have maybe only tried to get one? Maybe they would have only brought in like a Matt Bush and tried for a different package for Hader. I don't know. Like I'm sure that didn't help. Like that, it definitely the amount of relievers they had out at the time of the dread trade deadline definitely changed the course of this team's plans when it came to well, acquiring I mean, players. and then the relievers that they got the trade deadline, half of them, were, were they never even threw a pitch for them. They right. acquired four relievers. Only yep. two of them pitched, Rogers and Bush. Lamette, they DFA'd 48 hours later. Rosenthal mm-hmm. was hurt for yep. the last two years and remained hurt and never threw a single pitch for this organization and is still the most mind-boggling mind bogglingly dumb trade <laughs> I have seen the Brewers make. And the wine is kicking in already, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Buckle I in. mean like what and then the, this is the kicker behind it all. The Brewers never put Trevor Rosenthal on the 60 day IL. No. He kept his 40 man roster spot this entire time. Even after they learned he would be out for the rest of the season, they never put him on the 60 day IL to clear a 40 man spot. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? You, like you could have had literally, you know, you could have had Bryce Terang come on up. You, you could have had any one of those prospects come on up, take a 40 man roster spot, take, take a, a big league roster spot after that. You know, you couldn't, you, you wouldn't have had a DFA to Nelson Lamette mm-hmm. because you didn't, you wouldn't have had as much of a 40 man roster crunch because Trevor Rosenthal wouldn't have been there. When you acquired him, it's like, oh, subsequent transactions forced us to, to DFA Lamette so that you could keep Rosenthal in the 40 man. You couldn't find a spot for a healthy Denelson Lamette, but you found one for a still injured Trevor Rosenthal. What? Uh, what are we this- doing? Don't forget, they kept around Jake McGee for a few days, too. <laughs> yeah, three days yeah. later, you, you you designate him for assignment. Like, yeah. But, I mean, he was acquired before that, so it's just like, okay, you know, whatever. But, but yeah, 26-man roster, dump McGee. You know, yeah. like, like it's, it's simple. And if, if they were – if they were going to – if they DFA'd McGee – so quickly after DFAing Lamette, they clearly were already slightly thinking about it with McGee. Like it had to have been on their mind. It didn't just all of a sudden after you know one more bad one really one outing, out. yeah. Right. They go, hmm, you know what? I actually don't think this is going to work out. No, it clearly they clearly were thinking of it. So the fact that they Lamette was the one to go, and then just a few days that was just that that might have been ranked. 
it's got to be up there. That was Mike, bizarre. Two, honestly, it was, it, it was the most just, bizarre thing. Yeah. Most bizarre decision I, I have seen them make. I mean, you literally just got Denelson Lamette because you traded a franchise cornerstone mm-hmm. in Josh Hader. Everyone had already been piling on and hating on this trade, even before, even when you still had Lamette. And then on top of that, after seeing everyone rip you for it, to be like, you know what? We're going to cut one of these four pieces that we got for a franchise cornerstone that everyone is yelling at us that we shouldn't have even traded in the first place and that we're, that the return was already kind of light. We're going to cut one of those guys from that return already. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. It, it made no sense at the time. It makes even less sense the further we get away from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, especially now that we're out of the playoffs and so many of those games, those one or two games that if we had won them, we end up in the playoffs. So many of those were caused, those losses were caused by some of the guys the Brewers acquired. It's It, it just makes it sting even more. When you think back, on the moves that were made and the guys that came in and what that resulted in, it just, it, it, it makes it more aggravating. Matt Bush had four blown save opportunities. Mm-hmm. Taylor Rogers had three blown save opportunities mm-hmm. since coming over to the Brewers. Like Boxberger had seven on the year. Yeah. Yeah. It, his, were they were all ones that were you know like in the seventh inning or whatever yeah they they still technically count as save opportunities if you're if you're in like the final three innings yeah uh, you know if you blow a lead in in the final three innings there that kind of counts as a blown save so that's how the Brewers ended up with 31 on the season some games leaving had two blown saves yep because they would somehow claw back and then blow it once again the uh uh um I, I wrote Posted a piece today about the five most heartbreaking losses just in September and October because there were enough to choose from. Um, and the very first one was that Rockies game, and that one had two blown saves. And uh, Streslecki blew the first bit of it in the eighth when they tied it, and then Rogers blew it again in the bottom of the tenth uh, when Grichik ends up hitting the walk-off uh, three-bagger or th- three-run homer. Um, it's yeah. It, It's games like those that are why we drink on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And in the state. (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, Those are rough. Yeah, I mean, looking through that list, I mean, Mm -hmm. you go through. I mean, you could have a lot more than five games on that list if you want to. You could have gone on for a while. And I did. I had had a, a few others with question marks that I don't. The sad part was, like, I didn't even add. The last loss, uh, not the last one, the uh, I should say the second to last one, the final game of the Marlins series, because I remember how we all seemed to feel and the vibe on social media and the vibe in the stadium after they lost, after Devin Williams blew the save on that Saturday, that was it. Like, that was the dagger. You could tell. Everyone felt there was no coming back from that, even though technically the elimination number was three going into Sunday's game. Like we all knew it was done. It would it would have taken a ton for the Brewers to still make it anyway. But 
and and then they end up, you know, they I think tied it in the ninth with some dramatics, and they end up taking. Yes, I witnessed out. this. Right. Yes, you did. You were at that game. I, I was like, there, and there was no one else there, man. That place yeah. was empty on a Sunday yeah. in a playoff chase. It was empty. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you're, you're going through that whole game, and you know they're they're basically dead. Like they were lifeless that mm-hmm. whole time. And then, you know, they finally get a little bit of spark there at the end, and they're able to get uh, enough offense to tie it up. They can't quite finish it off, and then you go into extras, and then you go into extras again, and you go, like, uh, it finally got to the 12th inning. I'm just like, I just want this to be over, mm-hmm. you know? And they finally, you know, they, they give up a run there, and then it's like, yep, yeah, we're going to fall short in uh, in the bottom half, and that's what happened. And that was, I, I look back up to... Uh, you know, a couple of the guys back in the in the press box, you know, Kurt Hogue and uh, Spencer and, and those guys up there. And I'm just like, well, see you guys next season. It's <laughs> yeah. over. Not not coming back from this. That's that's the, mm-hmm. the final one. The elimination number is one. It's uh, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It just it, everyone knew it was done at that point. It, and even before the end of that game, they had already called the Phillies game due to weather. And so, you know, everyone knew the elimination number now is two. But even even before that, like it was just like you said, lifeless. You could tell on the broadcast like it didn't sound, uh, you know, energetic or anything. Like even uh, there's a little bit of life left in the stadium, like you said, uh, in the ninth when they end up tying it. But it just that that Saturday game was the one when Devin Williams, who by and large, was very good after the Josh Hader trade. He had that blown save right after the fact. I think maybe one other one kind of along the way. But for the most part, he did his job as closer. Um, but when even he ends up blowing a save, it's that there's your hope right there. Like your your best player that you have in the bullpen is everyone else around him is struggling outside of really Boxberger down the stretch. He kind of uh, kicked it back around after some struggles in the middle. Everyone else around you is struggling, but Williams, and you actually get it to Williams. You actually get it to him for the save, and even he ends up blowing one. That's why it felt like the dagger. Yeah, it was it was bad, um, and, and they put themselves in the spot. And, and then, you know, you head into Monday night against the, the Diamondbacks, and you know, lifeless again. And, you know, they, they show a little bit of spark. They, they start showing some anger at it, at the umpire, uh, at Todd Tishner for, you know, a, a check swing call or whatever else. They're finally showing some fire. It's like, why are you showing more fire against the umpire now when your elimination number is one than you did in that entire Marlins series? Like, that never made any sense to me that, that they didn't show any fire until that last moment. Uh, you know, and then they get into that, you know, the, the ninth inning, they're down by three, they're down four to one heading into that final seer or that, that final inning. And they need to sweep in order to have any sort of chance. And then that's when they finally show the offensive fire. Hunter Renfro, first ball swinging, dinger, dead center field. And then the rest of the offense continues to pour on. It took a couple of errors. From the Diamondbacks, though, defensively, uh, for the Brewers to actually 
make that comeback happen. They end up getting a walk-off win. It didn't matter because 10 minutes later, the Phillies beat the Astros, and it was all over. But still, like, like it took until that last moment for them to finally show some fire. Uh, folks, Matt is going to have to leave uh, the podcast here. He's got a, um emergency to go take care of. Uh, so Matt is going to have to depart right here. So I'm going to be riding it solo here for the rest of this podcast. Oh, man. Oh, Matt. I'm going to be allowed to roam free with just me and me and my drink over here talking about the first season. Um Look, this is a disappointing finish. You know, there, there, there's no two ways about it. So, you know, you, you know that we've all watched this team. And there were so many mistakes that they made along the way. And if you've seen I'm reviewing the brew, I've chronicled seven of the biggest ones. I could have gone so many more. There, there are so many more mistakes that, that they made that I could have included. I just, I just decided to stick with the seven big ones. Uh, starting, of course, with Pedro Severino making the mistake of getting himself busted for PEDs and completely changing the entire catcher outlook for the Brewers. It, it changed everything with that roster configuration because they went from, you know, just having him and Brett Sullivan kind of hanging out as, as the backup catchers all throughout spring training to at the last second, they have to scramble to find a replacement. They had trade for Victor Caratini, who ended up hitting 200 on the season. Uh, they traded Brett Sullivan to get him, along with another prospect in Corey Howell. Uh, then they also had to, tra- because they traded Sullivan, they had to trade for Alex Jackson, traded Hayden Cantrell to get him. Uh, so completely changed their whole 40-man roster outlook, their whole catcher situation. And then Keston Hira. Craig Council had no idea what to do with Keston Hira. Um, nothing. He was misused at every point. Keston Hira dominates against right-handed. He had an 895 OPS against right-handed pitchers. And he was terrible against lefties. And yet Craig Council is sitting there putting Keston Hira in the lineup every single time they face a left-handed pitcher. Why? It doesn't make any sense. You signed Andrew McCutcheon to be the DH specifically because he could hit lefties. And then McCutcheon never faced lefties. He was always in there against righties. Why? The the usage of those two guys never made any sense to me with, with their splits. And then you get into the whole trade deadline and everything that happened there. The hater trade, not following it up with anything of actual importance. If you make a trade like that, you got to follow it up with something big, and they didn't. DFAing Lamette, we've gone over that a bunch. The Rosenthal trade, we've gone over that a bunch. Um, And just on and on, and the clubhouse and how things happened there, it was not good. And it ended up in a disaster for the Brewers. And now you're sitting on the couch as the postseason begins. And you head to a long, long offseason. And now the question becomes, what's going to happen this offseason? They've, they've got a lot of decisions to make, 
a lot of roster turnover could be happening. They've got a number of pending agents. And, I mean, really, you look at this group of, of free agents. Who are they going to bring back? I mean, really. You've got Andrew McCutcheon. It's a free agent. They misused him all year, and he really wasn't that great. So I could definitely see them letting him go. Um, after that, you got Omar Narvaez, who had one of his worst one of the worst seasons of his career offensively. He's going to be gone. I, I doubt they're going to try to bring him back, especially with Mario Feliciano down in AAA, who got some time this year. Taylor Rogers is going to be a free agent. He was earning $7.3 million this year. I don't think he's going to be coming back, especially with how he performed down the stretch and how much money he's probably going to demand. Jace Peterson is a free agent. And oddly enough, of all the Brewers free agents, he's the one I think they're most likely to bring back. I just I, I just do. For, for whatever reason, I, I could totally see them bringing Jace Peterson back as a utility guy. You got club options on Colton Wong and Brad Boxberger. Boxberger, maybe they bring back. Colton Wong, probably not. And then you got the kids coming up. You got Gary Mitchell, Sal Freelich, Esteri Ruiz, Joey Weimer over there in the outfield. Bryce Terang in the infield, he can replace Wong. Mario Feliciano behind the plate, he can replace Narvaez. You got, you got guys. So are they really going to get anyone in free agency, or are they going to go hog wild in, in free agency this offseason? Especially considering the raises that they're going to have to pay to Hunter Renfro and Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas and Eric Lauer and Rowdy Telez. But the raises those guys are going to get, I think they're going to have too much money to spend on free agents. I'm not expecting too much when it comes to free agency. I'm really not. And I think a lot of the available budget uh, with, you know, Colton Wong being gone, potentially uh, McCutcheon being gone, Lorenzo Cain finally off the books, uh, Josh Hader off the books. I think a lot of that budget is probably going to be taken up in Renfro and Woodruff and Burns and Adamas. And Telez, even. I mean, Telez hit 35 homers this year. He's probably going to get a solid raise. So they might not have too much money to spend. Could they go, you know, make some more trades and, and try to, you know, make things work? Sure. Overall, I think it's probably going to be pretty quiet, unfortunately. Uh, but we've got a lot more time to, to dig into that and what's going to be going on there. Um, th this season has just been... You know, it's been a frustrating one on, on many levels. And, you know, I wrote this on the site, and I hope it actually comes true. And this is really kind of dependent on a lot of things. I wrote that it could be a good thing that the Brewers missed out on the playoffs this year. And what I mean by that is that, Missing the playoffs after essentially a disaster of a trade deadline. The, the Josh Hader trade, neglecting clubhouse culture and, and chemistry uh, and how players feel about a midseason trade of an all-star player when you're in first place. 
Uh, I think there are some lessons to be learned here. And I don't think those lessons would have been learned as easily or even at all had the Brewers made the postseason. Had they snuck into the final wild card spot, David Stearns and Mark Atanasio and Matt Arnold could declare victory. The trade deadline worked for all intents and purposes. They made the postseason for the fifth straight year. They got another bite at the apple drink. And, you know, then you just kind of see what happens in October. But overall, it worked because they made the postseason. But now, because they didn't make the postseason, you can't really look at this and saying, oh, yeah, those trades worked out. That, that definitely helped this, te- this team get another bite at the apple this season. Because you didn't. You didn't get a bite at the apple at all. So missing the playoffs can actually help them realize that. Now, they still might not want to realize it or, or they still might not acknowledge the fact that they made mistakes along the way. That remains to be seen. Uh, when David Stearns has his end of season press conference and, uh, you know, we kind of get a sense of, of where he's thinking and, and what's going on. So we don't know yet whether they acknowledge their mistakes or not. But missing the playoffs is probably their best chance of having Stearns and Atanasio and Arnold realize the gravity and the severity of their mistakes. And what happened this season. So that's how it could go. You know, if they realize those mistakes that they made and they try to address them, this could be a good thing in the long run. It could get them more bites at the apple. It could get them better and bigger bites at the apple. It could get them the whole apple. That's what we want, right? We don't just want a bite at the apple. We want the whole apple for ourselves. Because that means the World Series has come to Milwaukee. That's what we want. I don't want want no bite at the apple. I want the whole apple itself. So maybe this is going to be that wake-up call to them. They can realize, okay, that didn't work. We can't keep on trying to do something like that and Go with the shock and awe and the big moving and shaking when it upsets the clubhouse. When you upset the clubhouse like that, it leads to bad things on the field. There's no way around it. They neglected that potentially for too long here. Now they have a chance to fix it if they're willing to. They need to mend their relationships with their players, with their clubhouse. The clubhouse doesn't trust them. Right now, they don't trust that they are trying to get them a World Series right now. The players don't care about three years from now. Most of them aren't going to be here. They want a World Series now. They want to help to win now. So as long as they can talk to those players in their exit interviews or whatever else and make sure that they convey that they are still committed to winning a World Series as soon as possible and not just focusing too far on three, four years down the road. Then they can fix things. They wouldn't have realized that if they had made the postseason. 
They still may not realize it now, having missed it. But there's a much stronger chance that they will see it, that they will see the light. Now that they've actually missed on the postseason and they're going to be sitting at home, and they're sitting on their couch watching everyone else play in October. That's their only hope. It's the only hope for this franchise in the near future. They have to realize what happened, why it happened, and how to make sure it doesn't happen again. One other bright side, I guess, if you could call this a bright side to the Brewers missing the postseason this year, is the inaugural MLB draft lottery. That's right. With the new CBA, MLB instituted a draft lottery for the top six picks in next year's MLB draft. And because the Brewers missed out on the playoffs, they are eligible for that lottery. They were the winningest non-playoff team, which means they have the worst odds to win said lottery. But the odds are greater than zero, which is what they were before they instituted the lottery. The Brewers' odds are 0.23%. That is their chance of winning the number one overall pick in the MLB draft. In a thousand simulations of the draft, the Brewers win the number one overall pick twice. Just two of them. But, luckily, there are six picks that are for the lottery. So the Brewers have a 0.23% chance, if I'm not mistaken, at each of those top six picks. I'm not sure if, you know, once, once the first pick is taken, those percentages are out and the Brewers' chances mathematically actually move up beyond 0.23%. I'm not sure how exactly that whole thing works or if it moves up or how much it moves up by uh, we, with, you know, say the Nationals. Okay, they get the number one overall pick. Then for the number two pick, who gets that? Well, the 16.5% chance of the Nationals, that's taken out of the pool. So then by that logic, would the Brewers not have a greater chance of getting one of those picks? Maybe. It still wouldn't be much, but it might be greater ever so slightly you know, once those teams are removed. But there's a chance. Mathematically, if you stay at the 0.23% for all six picks, you end up with a 1.38% chance of getting any pick in the top six. It's better than nothing. And who knows? Maybe they get lucky. Maybe they win a spot. Maybe, 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 I mean, maybe it is the number one overall pick, but even if it's the sixth pick, that's a massive improvement. The Brewers will be picking 18th if they don't win the lottery. No matter, no matter what, if they don't win a spot in the top six, they're picking 18th in the MLB draft next year. But they could pick sixth or fifth, fourth, third. Who knows? So they got a shot. The draft lottery is going to be uh, in December at the winter meetings. So we'll find out then if the Brewers get, get a chance for a, a top six pick in next year's draft after missing out on the postseason. That could be a nice consolation prize. Uh, for missing out uh, if if it ends up happening. All right, so with Matt out, um, I'm just going to call it here for the podcast. The Brewers season is over. It was disappointing, and 
there were a lot of mistakes made. I hope, I hope that the Brewers learn from them and don't make them again. David Stearns, for, for all the mistakes that he made this year, he is not a fool. Um, he, he doesn't seem like one to make the same mistakes twice. So I hope they're able to learn from these going forward and just make this team better heading into 2023. It may be a youth movement next year, but I hope they can make this team better. That that's, it's going to be a long off season. We're just getting it started here on the core group podcast and at reviewing the brew. We're going to have tons of content coming out over the next several weeks uh, and months all throughout the off season covering the moves that the Brewers make, that they should make, everything going on, all going to be at Reviewing the Brew. We're going to be talking about it here on the Cold Brew Podcast every single week. We're going to be trying to get some guests on weekly, too. Now that we're kind of into the offseason, everyone's not quite as busy with games every single night. You know, it's, it's hard to talk to some of the, you know, the beat reporters or the radio guys or whatever else, you know, during the weekend night because the games are going on. Those guys are working. So maybe it'll be a little different here as we get into the offseason. I'm going to try to get some guests on this podcast and just kind of talk about this team and the direction going forward, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun talking with you uh, all season long uh, and, and really over the last couple of years and talking with you on here and on reviewing the brew and just, you know, we, we really appreciate you listening and reading and, and supporting and following. And it's been absolutely great. Be sure to follow Matt at MKE Matt 13. I am at the 24 on Twitter. Um, that'll do it this week. Uh, I'm Dave Gasper. We'll see you next time for another episode as we dig into the offseason here for the Brewers on the Cold Podcast.